The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Pure. The Pure app lets awesome people have casual sex tonight. Download Pure on Google Play or the App Store. Pure, the hookup app that says it's a hookup app. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. What's up, campers and counselors? This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Oh my God, my voice. What has happened to my once beautiful voice? My 10-year high school reunion, that's what happened. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll tell you about that in a moment. But let's start off with some scratchy throat show dates. Yes, okay, people. Um, June 6th, I'm going to be at The Stand comedy club doing roast masters gonna be doing a roast battle against my good friend of the my good friend and former uh guest of the show allison klemp that's gonna be really fun uh then i'll be in san francisco hey june 9th i'll be at mutiny cafe and radio june 10th at the spice monkey restaurant spice monkey really you know that doesn't sound uh politically correct i don't know what to tell you there i think they got to think that i work on that although i did hear <laughs> at, a, at a comedy fight club i did hear an irish guy get called <laughs> a famine monkey and i'm like wait what oh man but anyways that's the place i'll be performing at so that should be fun also tonight if you happen to be in new york city and you love trivia i'm hosting a trivia night at the watering hole at seven o'clock p.m uh it would be weird to do Trivia at 7 a.m. That sounds terrible. Uh, if you're interested in that, go to onspeeddating.com to get your ticket. Use the promo code Billy5 for $5 off. Uh, also today, oh, so many things happening today, May 31st. Uh, we have another fan whore Facebook Live Hangout, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To join me for that, go, go just go like the Man Whore Podcast fan page. And then you will get a notification when I go live. Uh, if you missed this announcement, but you still want to watch, the replay will be available on my fan page uh, for the next month. So those are always fun. I really enjoy, you know, interacting with y'all, uh, playing games, getting to know you. Um, but yeah, my voice, Jesus, it has been a long week of traveling. I was in Indiana. I was in Ohio. I saw a lot of Republicans. Saw a lot of Republicans. It was uh, it was weird. And then I then I went up to Connecticut for my ten year high school reunion. And they're also closing my campus down. My my boarding school had two campuses, and uh, a, another school bought my campus. So I went up for like the last hurrah. And uh, you know I just I got really drunk, and that's not why my voice sounds like this. My voice sounds like this because driving back it threw up three times on the highway. Shout out to I eighty four. How you doing? Uh, so I apologize for the sound of my voice. I promised the episode with our guest today, Kevin Allison. Oh my God. I promise my voice sounds uh, just just peachy for that. Yes, my guest uh, this week is Kevin Allison. He hosts the infamous Risk podcast and storytelling show. He's also a former member of the state for all y'all from the 90s who remember that show. Uh, and I can't wait to share him 
with y'all in a bit. But first, you know, let's get to some of your emails. Oh, yeah. Love your emails. This one comes from Taylor. So if y'all remember a while ago, I was I, I was just asking people who live in like random countries, like not large countries, places where like my download numbers might be in like the, the single or double digits. And uh, I get a, an email that says, hey, from Fiji. Which if you ask certain Americans, they don't realize Fiji's a whole country. It's a what? It's a water. <laughs> Paige, my, uh, I have a very beautiful naked girl on my bed and she just goes, it's a water. <laughs> Taylor writes, what's up, Billy? I'm originally from Long Island, New York. I'm currently serving as a Peace Corps volunteer in Fiji. I know you like hearing from listeners who are living in smaller countries. Mainly, I'm a sex education teacher here, although it's very conservative and I find a lot of closed-minded people. My sex life is non-existent here. However, I've dedicated the past year and a half while living here to make my future sex life amazing through listening to podcasts like yours. So thanks for being so open-minded and sharing your personal stories with us. I love it. Hope to see you one day in New York City. Oh, what's up, Taylor? I am so thrilled to hear from the source of those 15 Fiji downloads. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, that's got to be some tough stuff you're doing out there. So kudos to you. I bet you're not looked at kindly by the local parents, but it is important work to be done. Thank you for doing it. And, uh, and be sure to catch up on that non-existent sex life when you get back to the States. Hey, this next email comes from Justin. Justin writes, hey, Billy. Love the podcast. Big ass tip of the hat for your ruthless honesty. Um, I'm a two times divorcee with an amazing five year old girl. Recently moved to Atlanta from, let's just say, another major metropolitan area to be with my daughter. Culture shock. Somewhere along the way, I decided to stop paying attention to shame around my sexuality, and the results have been nothing short of amazing. In the last year, I have dropped 30 pounds gotten a teenager sex drive back, seen a tremendous boost in confidence, and totally redefined how I relate to women. Your podcast has seriously helped me navigate the transition. By the way, the Motor Bunny is awesome. Bought one and tried it today with my main partner. She didn't want to leave. Totally worth the money. I told my partner she had to ask my permission to come while riding it unless I was inside her. After all, it's rude to talk with a mouthful. I literally had to pull myself away. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. And you better, when you bought that motor, buddy, you better have used my promo code manwhore at checkout. For sure. Uh, I, I actually went to go check in on the motor buddy website. Currently sold out. Good for them. <laughs> good for them. Um, you know, I love getting your emails, you know, whether it be advice questions or feedback such as this or booby pictures, always feel free to send that stuff to manhorpod at gmail.com. We heard a couple weeks ago, Kenzie share her story of hooking up on the pure app. I would love to hear more people who have been using pure, uh, since I started advertising them on the podcast. Please send me your pure hookup stories, whether it be in the form of email or if you would like to give like an on-air testimonial, um, you can shoot me an email and I'll give you instructions on how to do that. There's a free app that I use and uh, it's very simple process. I just, I just want to, I just want to know that it's working. I want to know y'all are having fun on it because it is a, I got to tell you, it's a cool app. I think it's a useful app. 
Before we get to Kevin Allison from the Risk Podcast, you all know that on Patreon, I do a whole bunch of bonus episodes. I do four bonus episodes every month. Oh my God, that's twice the man whore podcast you could have in your life and in your ears. Last week, I released a bonus episode with Willow Wonder, who runs a naked yoga studio. Look, add nudity to anything, and his, uh, and you can capitalize on it, such as America. We had a really fun conversation about nudity, bodies, and hey, what to do with your boner. So I wanted to give you all a little, a little tease of that episode right now for free. I think it's really valuable to have places where sex publicly is allowed i think sex parties as long as you know it's they address consent and things like that i think those are really wonderful environments to explore lots of things um but not every single environment has has to be sexual and i think there can be something really beautiful and powerful and healing about experiencing non-sexual nudity non-sexual as in we don't practice any sexual activity and we Mm. have rules based on how you can interact with each other um but the real question was to address like the thoughts people have, like, what if I get, you know, like you said, what if I get an erection? Like, what if I get aroused or what yeah. if, what if I find this person attractive? Or it's like, it's like, you, that's okay. Yeah. Like you can find them attractive. Like if you catch a view of someone who's something or other than like somebody's butt and like, wow, I like this person's butt. Like, okay, whatever. It's like, just Happens don't to all of us. fuck them. Yeah. Uh, or touch yeah. it or anything. Just like. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's like these these questions where people like to them it's this huge like what do you even mean and the answer is so simple there's a there's a great Mark Norman joke uh, Mark Norman uh, I don't know if you're familiar no, super no. funny comedian just had a special out and he uh, he has this joke where he goes like I I know this guy who's telling me he's like uh, if I was in a gay bar and a gay guy hit on me I don't know what I'd do and he's just like how about not have sex with them <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like the answers are typically so yeah, simple <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so but it's it's like i think i think it's it's profound for people to sort of maybe simmer on that for a little bit like oh because if you think about it like we have so many it definitely makes sense to me why people would have a hard time accepting the idea of like oh it's it's okay to find somebody attractive and um, if they're naked, it's okay to, you know, look to even like see them and find them attractive. Like as long as I don't do anything because, you know, sex is in, in on one hand, sex is totally shut down in this country and probably, you know, in many mm-hmm. other places as well. But <clears throat> my experience is mostly here uh, that sex is so put in the closet. It's so scarce. Um, so I talk about in my article, we have like a scarcity complex about sex. So, you know, you walk into, you know, so the idea is like you'd walk into a naked yoga class and you would see naked bodies and the fear is that you're going to be like, oh my God, naked bodies, sex, sex. I'm going to just like start, I don't know, like running around touching people. But that's, that's, I mean, that's not what happens, but it's also, um, it's also, I think a product of the fact that sex is so, sex education and experience and, um, sex education experience and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. and, And, and expression are so, they're uncommon for us. You know, like I didn't learn what sex was until I was about sixteen. Um, was that from like family from friends? It's from, from a joke. You from a joke? Yeah. Oh God! What, like a street joke or like a comedian joke? No, like uh, my friend in class. He's okay. not my friend actually, but he said he said um, why. <laughs> why doesn't Santa Claus have any kids? And I said, I don't know. And he says, because he only comes once a year. <laughs> Which I understand now. But at the time I was like, what? And my huh? friend was like, 
never mind. Just we'll huh. talk about this later. And oh, so, no. and so, um, I I think I probably went home and I I started. I don't think I I think I probably looked at porn. I tried to watch some videos online, but had no idea what an erection. Here I am talking yeah. about erections on a daily basis, and I didn't even know what an erection was until I was. Uh, How did you think babies were made before that? I, to be honest, I, I thought I knew there was something about like genitals touching, but I thought my the image in my mind was of people sort of in a really tight embrace, and they're they're always on a really big king size bed because that's always how sex works, and they're oh, rolling like... around like a tootsie roll, <laughs> making out, and then bam, with enough pregnancy. friction, with enough rolling around, if you hit a if you <laughs> enough speed on the right angle, and you say I love you hard enough. <laughs> You get pregnant. And then, yes, then a baby will come out of that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I think, I also think part of, that there's like, there's like a bit of, a, um, because there's not enough, there's not enough context where it's, where sex is okay. Um, and then there's also this boundary problem where sex is like everywhere. So, you know, like I said, I can't walk down the street without having it be a sexual experience where mm. my body is being objectified or people go to work and they have their bosses, their fear of their bosses hitting on them. And, you know, um, definitely the experience of a lot of women the, that, you know, that there, there's constantly this, you can't walk into a bar without like, Oh gosh, you know, like everyone yeah. is on the prowl, you know? So there's like, there's, I feel like there's a lot of sexual energy everywhere because people don't, um, maybe people don't quite know how to find contexts that are appropriate or boundaries that are appropriate. And so this, this is basically what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to, yeah. this is, this is, these are the boundaries. And if you have sexual thoughts, it's also okay. Yeah. If people are interested in Naked in Motion or if they want to uh, check out uh, what you do or what you write, where can they find you? They can find me on my website at nakedinmotion.com. I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to hear the full episode in its entirety, head on over to patreon.com slash podcast. Willow's episode is a $10 episode, but you get bonus episodes at any level. You get one bonus episode at the $1 level. You get three bonus episodes at five, and you get four bonus episodes and a whole lot more at $10 or more. Again, that's patreon.com slash podcast. But now for this week's guest, Kevin Allison. Oh, my gosh. Um, Storytelling staple, really, in the podcasting and comedy world. Kevin Allison was part of The State, which was a a sketch comedy team in the 90s that had a, a, a wonderful TV show doing sketch comedy. He also runs this storytelling show called Risk, where people tell the stories they thought they would never tell. And it's interesting when, when you think about that because um, I run a show and Kevin also runs a show where like we share things, we tell stories that most people would never say to their friends, let alone thousands of strangers on the internet. Uh, but, you know, one thing I brought up with Kevin is like, you know, we do deserve as public figures. I feel like we deserve to have a few secrets. There's two or three things that like I'm not going to say on this podcast, I bet. But it's interesting like as storytellers to figure out which secrets to share and then how to share them. And Kevin gets everyday people, not just comedians and, and public figures, but he gets everyday people, average Joes and Jills like you to tell their, uh, their deepest, darkest, happiest, saddest stories on his podcast. He's been doing that show for Jesus, I think over a decade now. And we had a wonderful conversation, you know, about um, kink camp and secret gay kink camp because those are apparently two separate things um attempts to prostitute ourselves and a whole lot more you're really gonna enjoy this one 
Let's get to Kevin Allison. Ten years down the road, you can hit that one. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that kind of crazy that we, you know, we put our entire sex and dating lives on the internet? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Are you partnered, or do you have, or do you, are you single, or what's your you know, like, situation? It's really weird. I, I, for the longest time, I grew up in that super, super monogamous mindset because i grew up in a very very con well sexually conservative uh family catholic roman catholic family in cincinnati ohio so i really did fall for that whole idea that there's only one way that a relationship works and that is you know marrying someone forever and being exclusive and everything and so it was when I finally turned 31, I had my first real boyfriend. And I think that what it was was that I, I, I'd been so freaked out for so many years by the concept of someone being the one and only yeah. that it really like shot me in the foot from being able to date in my 20s. It made dating in my 20s terrifying especially you know, like, in the 90s i feel like yeah the gay scene in the 90s was not necessarily the most monogamous culture yeah well you just had this feeling of oh my god i've got to be prince charming and he's got to be prince charming and yeah you know i mean it just puts a lot of pressure on shit so when i was 31 i had my first real boyfriend and we both decided literally like a couple weeks into it that it was going to be an open relationship. And and so that was a real kind of like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that, can't we? But it wasn't until we broke up in 2010 after nine years of being together that I was introduced to the kink scene proper. You know, like during the whole time that I was with Ariel, I would go to gay sex clubs. And that was the extent of the sex life that I had outside of my husband. I would go to these gay, gay sex clubs. And, and it, you know, it's very interesting because they're not necessarily kinky. Mm. And there's very little dialogue. There's very little dialogue in a, in a room full of men. Um, whereas you go to a, a orgy or something like that where there's a mix of straight and bi and yada, and there's a lot of talking. A lot of hangout. A lot out. of process. Processing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so for for years, I was having a lot of sex, but did not actually make the connection of being kinky. I mean, I was a preppy NYU NYU college boy who had come from Ohio, where I'd been a preppy, you know, uh, Catholic boy at a Jesuit high school. So, I I just the whole like leather scene. Uh, was very unfamiliar to me in the 90s. And now I'm kicking myself because Giuliani just destroyed sexual culture in New York City. I mean, there used to be places, uh, many, many places like the Hellfire Club. You could walk into the Hellfire Club and get, you know, pissed on or shat on like upon entering right. you know that's you, there were hustler bars you know where it was officially recognized that everyone is here to buy a boy there were um you know all kinds of places like the lure and stuff like that where there were always these just crazy big kink nights based on this theme or that theme and there were like oh i would say four times as many gay bars in the 90s so yeah, it really kind of got decimated. Both both Giuliani just just 
shutting shit down and internet culture putting everything behind closed doors. You know, people being like, oh, we'll just have a private little party amongst yeah. friends of ours, you know? That's crazy. Uh, you know, I never think about how, you know, what it must have been like to be here during that time. Because I, I also went to NYU, but I got here in like 2007. Yeah. And everything's all nice and cleaned up and Disney-fied. But you were, you know, Rudy Giuliani is known more for cleaning up Times Square, but were there other effects that kind of rippled out from all that? Oh, absolutely. The, yeah. Absolutely. Like, 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 did he, like, what do you mean by like, that he like shut down the game? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like, like there, there were a couple of hustler bars where a boy could go, and if you needed extra money, you knew that there were going to be half the room was going to be guys in there, you know, under twenty five or so, and half the room was going to be guys that looked like Rush Limbaugh, huh. and you could go and make money. And those bars just like bam when Giuliani, he, he, it was always fire code shit. It was oh, you're 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 not some... in line with the fire code, so we're shutting you down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or or places like the Lord, just you know, like really kinky party sort of spaces that, uh, or the vault places that t- just ended up mysteriously shutting down. Yeah, That's and a, yeah, and and the, you know the Times Square, the peep booth places, even those. Pl- there were a lot more peep boothy places just around the city yeah. in general. Yeah, Times yeah. Square was not always a place to go with your family. It no, not. no, it was it was a real like center of smut and craziness, and yeah, 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 drugs, sex, drugs, and I mean, you know, ba- the Beats used to love it. You know, mm-hmm. back in the fifties and sixties, they. Um, you know, you hear a lot from Ginsburg and those guys, those guys talking about it. But yeah, it's I, we romanticize New York in the 60s and 70s. Um, and, but, you know, uh, people who do remember it say, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of fun, but it was also kind of dangerous and, and messy. You right. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that, that's what makes it fun. I don't know. I know. I know. You lose so much. You lose so much. But what was that? I feel like Geraldo had like a, a whole bit about how like you'd have tourists from all over the world would come to like New York City. Yeah. To, you know, to like jerk off in our booth. Like, yeah. Or, yeah or if it was, maybe it was somebody else. But it was like. You know, yeah, like it was a very pervy area. But this, I guess, is a good time as I need to say. I'm sitting here with Kevin Allison, uh, host of the hit podcast, uh, Risk. Yes. Yes. Hello. <laughs> He's like, yes, I confirm. I affirm your assertion that, uh, that I do indeed host this podcast. And a very funny comedian and storyteller and uh, a former member of the state, for those of you from that era i was three so i don't know where i was it was 94 right <laughs> yeah yeah entering kindergarten i don't yeah, know i was yeah. allowed to watch that yeah uh, back then but thanks for uh, sitting down with me yeah 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 i've been doing my podcast risk since 2009 and the whole idea of it is i grew up conscious of the fact that i was gay from day one like literally like my first conscious thoughts are i like boys butts you know i mean i remember and i remember being five years old and being totally conscious of what the words gay and fag meant i knew it meant you know a boy who likes boys but i also knew it meant horrible awful lame rejectable get it out of here we don't want to have anything to do with it so i grew up terrified and i grew up super super aware that uh, i was in the closet And so there came a time when I was 39 years old where I realized, oh, my God, I've been so fearful in my career about being myself because I had spent so much time as a sketch comedian. 
I, I thought, what would it be like if I started just coming out about the warts and all personality that I have, the goofiest side of myself, the kinkiest side of myself, the, the most emotional side of myself? What if I created a storytelling show where people say shit that they could not possibly say on NPR, on shows like The Moth or This American Life? And so that's what Risk is. I mean, we've featured stories from... You know, people who have killed other people. We featured just a couple weeks ago a story about a woman who dis- who found out her dad was into cannibalism. And she had to deal with her own feelings of being kind of titillated by that herself. What? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's the same chick I talked to on Tinder last year who was into that. Oh, my that God. That freaked me out. And that was always my limit. I was always like, no, your, your kink is not my kink and it's okay. But I draw the line at cannibalism. And then I talked to a girl on Tinder who's like really into that. I'm like, well let's keep talking like let's see if we can make this work she's real pretty like yeah. there's a third threshold of hotness where i'm like i'll hear you out well <laughs> you know the melina williams has told an amazing story on risk about race play uh she's a black woman mm-hmm. who got interested in bdsm play where she would be like a plantation slave and with a white person acting like a you know whip cracker kind of guy and so that is really, really psychological loaded shit. She told a story about it on Risk called Slave. But it turns out she also uh, wrote a book called Taboo. It's a, it's a mm. tiny little book, but you can find it on a- Amazon. And it's about like five main areas of BDSM sort of play or kink play, fetish play that uh, most people, even in the kink community you know, consider like third rail, you know, are are nervous about and consider Mm. taboo. And of course, in some cases with, for example, cannibalism, um, there's legality. I mean, there there are certain lines you cannot cross because of the law. And, you know, thank goodness for that in some cases of, you know, nice nice boundaries. Uh, If you took took the whole like all being inclusive thing too far, then you're like, you gotta let him eat the guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because that's his thing. That's his sexual orientation. He eats people. You gotta let him. Yeah. So that's why we need limits. There was an interesting story once on risk about a guy who wanted to be castrated. And I think that the Dom, the woman who did it, um, she wanted to create the, to have him guessing whether or not it was actually happening or just uh, she was using a lot of Hollywood special effects equipment. It's kind of fascinating Mm -hmm. to see how there is that. People can play with their imaginations. I, you know, in, in some of my experiences, there's this very, one, probably one of the best known stories on Risk is a story called Kevin Goes to Kink Camp. Uh, it's two episodes long. I go to this kink camp for about four days and uh, just taste and try yeah. everything I possibly can. Um, but I remember when I was there, at one point I was playing with someone in one cabin and I could hear from the cabin next to me this couple who were acting out that she was 12 years old and that he was like a 
teacher or something that was like molesting his student and they were being very specific with it in the language i mean she was calling out that she was 12 years old you know yeah. and it was really quite fascinating to me because it was just like oh okay 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 i see you know that like that was my first i guess ever exposure to that sort of age play mm. where um there's an acknowledgement that what's being done there is is rather molesty in what it's bringing to mind which is definitely taboo and definitely crosses into the legal territory, but it's role play. We need a better adjective than molesty because molesty sounds too cute. <laughs> oh, that guy's a little molesty. Oh, that sounds adorable. Right? <laughs> Speaking of that, there is a great book that uh, probably all of your listeners would be interested in called Perv uh, by Jesse Baring. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. also has the, um, I think it's, is he the same guy who did Why Is My Penis Shaped Like That? I don't know. He's a psychologist who lives in New in, Zealand or yeah, Australia, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, right. I think he has a, uh, books like that, kind of science yeah, books. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, very, um, very interesting. Like uh, one of the, one of the uh, chapters on it is all about uh, age of consent and it's what was fascinating about it was I think it was Columbia University. I think some researchers at Columbia University asked something like, now I might be getting the actual details of this wrong, but something like 1,500 students, ha had you ever had an experience when you were a minor mm. with someone who was above the age of consent with, a, with an adult? And was it a positive experience? Do you look at, back on it as being a positive experience or a negative experience? I don't know if there was an in-between, like an indifferent. Like a, yeah. But what was fascinating about that study was that uh, it was like right down the line 50-50 of people saying, uh, the people who said, yes, I did have that kind of experience. People saying, uh, I mostly look back at it as, as a positive experience. And other people saying, I mostly look back at it as a negative experience pretty goddamn fascinating and not what you would expect i mean we've had stories on risk of people who had experiences you know who were molested or whatnot or or coerced or raped or whatever when they were kids and some of those stories are horrifying are, are just so i mean you can tell that this person has spent a lot of time working with it um, we're in Denver tomorrow. Tomorrow night we're mm. in Denver, young man. I mean, I think he was 15 years old and is, I think, English teacher. Just like totally pursued him and they had a like relate. I mean, they went to Mexico together. It was like a, a, a thing. And, uh, and it's kind of fascinating the way that, you know, we're trying to delve into like, cause for him, it was not necessarily a negative experience, but he still has a lot of fucked up feelings about it anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I always find it in people's actual stories, pulling apart, like poking at them like a therapist of, all right, let's go beyond the stereotypes of the real weird, questionable nuances of how you felt about things, you know? You're hearing so much of like people's personal lives. Do you have to like sometimes turn your like empathy, empathy switch off or do you just get overloaded with fucking emotions no, fucking week know, in and week out. I have a, uh, I, I think I have a natural ability to compartmentalize things. I mean, there are some cases where I do get 
emotionally wrapped up and kind of exhausted. I, th- I think it's more exhausting to me when I'm having a hard time pulling it out of someone. Because what I, what I always tell people for risk is, like, for example, a couple, like, three episodes ago, I told the story about how I was recently at this all-male kink camp. Yeah. Last August, I went to this all-male kink camp. For those who went to the regular kink camp, it's like not enough dudes. You know, we're we're all the we're all the fellow gay men. Well, it's interesting because you know this camp is like indicative of where all that came from, mm-hmm. and where it came from is the motorcycle clubs yeah. of the fifties and stuff. That's why you see stuff like Tom of Finland drawings. So it's like when you go to these. When you even look at at FetLife, for example, what you're looking at is that at some point in the 80s or so, a bit of the culture that gay men were so um, crystallizing and, and, you know, building such a rich history of in the, say, 40s, 50s, 60s, um, started to cross over, you know, so that that... Like, there's this really, really fascinating divide. Like, everyone, when, mm. I, when I went to Dark Odyssey, people, to, other men there told me. Dark Odyssey, of course, is, a, is another, that's the, the camp, right? That's the camp, that's the pansexual yeah, camp. Yeah, I have some friends who have gone off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, that, like, it's a big, big, like, 1,500 people show up for camp for a weekend, and it's a, it's a, mm. a, a people of all walks of life, trans people, bi people, lesbians, everything around the bored but i would talk to men there and they'd say you got to know about and i can't even name is it that camp. secret yeah, it's yeah, a secret yeah, it's a secret society not just a gay kink camp it is a secret gay kink yeah. camp yeah yeah it's yeah. the fight club of kink camps because that's where it comes from it comes from the motorcycle clubs where initially you know back in the day you were supposed to kill someone or beat someone up in order to get a sponsor yeah. to get into the motorcycle club well those leathery dudes you know, some of them liked secretly hooking up with each other. So in the 50s and 60s, you started having really, really secret leather guys saying, let's form our own little camp. You still have to have a sponsor. You still have to be invited. You still have to, like, have people vouching. Still got to kill somebody to go. <laughs> you don't have in to the, kill In the old days anymore. of the gay king camp, you actually had to kill a guy. But, they, they, you know, they're really soft these days. Our generation really softened things up. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, but people warned me, you know, that at an all-male camp like that, you are not going to go through a big orientation about what consent and negotiation mm-hmm. is. You are not going to... Uh, like you, you, you might be ambushed. You know what I mean? I mean, there are certain... There, there, when you're among men, the, the ideas around consent become a lot more lax, a lot more improv, a lot more... There's an expectation, and I've, I've, I've seen it in gay sex clubs and orgy spaces before, where... If someone's bothering you, it's not so out of line or unexpected for you to shove or hit them away as just like, I, you know, I told you twice, get the fuck away yeah. from me. Or you find know? like someone who, like a guardian, if their party does a guardian system or something. I mean, I, the, I think the better parties in New York City have some sort of, I mean, that's why I got this bracelet is the party I go to, they hand these out. Like I consent to touch, which means like you're fair game to kind of more touch without asking versus not right well what i'm saying is in an all-male space it's more you don't like someone touching you you can hit them (laughs) 
and no, you know, there doesn't need to be any idea of aftercare or whatever yeah. there. You know what I mean? I mean, so it's a like, I think that some gay men are um, are they have fear around being around spaces with women and other gay men will go to some of these pansexual kink camps and be a little bit taken aback by the degree to which there has to be a lot of talk about consent and negotiation. Do you think that needs to change in that scene or do you think that's like just a part that's a a core part of that culture? I actually don't think it's something that needs to change in that scene, but I do think that it's useful for everyone to at least be conversant about these things. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I can easily see looking back at some of my own experiences, times when someone was rough with me when I didn't want him to be, or times when I felt really, um, I don't know, abusively treated where I didn't have the language or the knowledge of, okay, here's ways that people sometimes deal with this sort of thing. So I think that it would be very, very helpful for gay men to at least be more aware of the way that that conversation is so alive on the other side of the, in the more straight areas of um the kink community but i don't necessarily need think that gay men have to adopt all of it like like you know there's there's a very funny story told on risk uh, by amy salloway where she attends a lesbian orgy and every 15 minutes a bell goes off so that they can process how things are going so that, that, that is that is like the opposite of what gay men are about. I, I attended a uh, uh, something at Dark Odyssey called uh, Cruising in the Woods, and it was supposed to be based on gay men cruising in, like, you know, the Rambles in Central Sounds Park. Sounds like a fun version of Manhunt, like when you were kids. I had to explain to several of the women there, no, no, we're not all chit-chatting down here. Like, like the idea of cruising in the woods isn't laughter, conversation, chit-chatting. No, no, shut the fuck up. That's not the tone of cruising. So what was the cruising in the woods? Is it just walking around the woods and when you... Do some sort of hand signal. He's like, okay, let's bang. Or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, gay men have always relied on a system of making eyes with someone, judging from the eye contact, is this guy going to kill me or am I maybe going to be able to get it on? You know, like just going, one of the first stories I ever tell on Risk is just walking into Central Park in the middle of the night. Uh, is the kind of activity where you know if your antennas are up, you could have sex yeah. with another man there if you just know how to make eye contact, feel it out, and then, you know. Where are some and, key parts of this eye contact? Like, I feel like it, it seems like there's a way to fuck it up. It's an energy thing. It's an energy thing. I mean, people sometimes say that, like, you know, what are the, are, are there, like, there are some places, like, back when I was in the hustler bars, you mm-hmm. know, when I was attempting to prostitute myself back in the day, those guys literally did have little hand signals to one another of stuff like, that guy's mine, that guy's a cheapskate, you know, a little like, you know, brushing your nose or tugging at your ear or whatever. But no, in actual just normal cruising, it's literally just, it's, a, it's an energy thing. It's reading someone's eyes and being like, 
that guy looks, you know, like, for example, I was once in the subway uh, on 14th Street uh, at like four o'clock in the morning. It was after a catering gig. So I was dressed in a tuxedo, but I happened to have some poppers in my pocket and the platform was mostly empty. And there's this guy in a jumpsuit, in a kind of like a yellowy or whatever jumpsuit. He's a transit worker. He's a guy who works on the tracks, and he's in his his worker's uniform. Uh, Very, very blue-collar-looking guy, Italian, very studly, right? And he's, he's looking at me. And I look back at him. He looks back at me. And there's just something about the energy where I'm like, oh, that guy looks like the straightest guy in the world. But this is about to happen. And that guy, I'm sure, is the straightest guy in the world in his life. You know what I mean? That's another thing about cruising and gay, you know, orgies and stuff like that is one of the reasons there's very little conversation is that a lot of guys prefer to think of what they're doing in that cruising or gay sex underground sort of thing as being like a dream, being in the unconscious, like dislocated from the rest of their life. Um, so, you know, if you ask someone for their phone number or try to be all, you know, polite and get to know them, they might be a little bit thrown off by that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I blew him, uh, right there on, on the subway platform. <laughs> clapping, clapping. Very nice. I still have not, uh, gotten subway platform yet. It's still on a, on a list of places in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am but young. I like to think. There's time to get it out of the way. Uh, you know, when talking about the... You know the whole the the consent stuff and how you can. So let me get this straight. So if some if you don't, if someone's like hitting on you or like tries to touch and whatever, and you don't want it, and you bat them away a couple of times, and they still go for it, you. Can just slug them. That's like kind of the unspoken policy. I think that that's the unspoken understanding. I mean, it's just like like what I kind of grew up with. I mean, I think times are changing around all of that. But it's just like the Times Square thing where you lose something and you gain something where, where, when things right. change like that. Like there is something kind of magical about all that nonverbal communication and all that, oh, we haven't discussed a bunch of rules beforehand yeah. kind of encounter. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But there's something super like hyper masculine about having a policy like that. You know, like that. It's like, well, at the all guy gay orgy you know if you don't want to fuck a guy and he tries to fuck you you just slug him like, <laughs> like something like very man man about like a hyper masculinity thing right kind of going on where that you would never that would never be acceptable at like a you know a, a mixed uh, orientations play party right 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 and it's also nothing that is is ever even talked about like i'm talking about it now amongst other gay men it's just kind of the way things tend to work yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so and, and something else that stood out to me is you said attempt to prostitute yourself <laughs> so you were unsuccessful in the venture yeah one of that the makes f- me all sad it's like there's uh, just the idea of somebody attempting to prostitute themselves and like just not finding a john makes me Go sad face. Yeah, yeah. There's a story I on risk that I tell called The Hustler. And it's about the first time that I went to one of those places up in the Upper East Side. And uh, yeah, I got into a fight with the guy that I was supposed to be hooking up with. And uh, I really didn't, you know, one of the things about hustling is that a lot of people don't appreciate is... You got to kind of like it. You got to kind of like the role play and the flirtation and just the the sort of power exchange that comes from uh, 
it, there's there's just a real weirdness there because you're being paid because you're in a de- well you know maybe not a desperate situation but you know you, you you're not as powerful when it comes to finances right right it, but uh, you've got to act like you are the flirt you're the boy you're the 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 uh, object of desire yeah yeah so there's you- a dollar amount attached to your being or sexuality or right. looks or whatever it right, is right 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 and so you've got to flirt but not be too easy and and then you've got to do some little you know like Nonverbal negotiation too. You know that that was one of the reasons I was not good at hustling. Was um, I'm just not good at negotiations that entail money or, or business transactions. And and there's a way to do it flirtatiously where you're not getting too caught up in businessy kind of talk, of mm-hmm. course. But I wasn't even good at that. So so I really like was not cut out for hustling, and it became more of a comedy of errors than anything. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh. I'm a, I might I may or may not be getting my first prostitution gig this weekend. Oh, yeah, it's fingers crossed. Yeah, that there's somebody coming uh, for the weekend. She's a listener, and she's like debating whether or not. So she's like, "Can you give me a number just in case?" Because she wants to take the cash out. Yeah, and it's like a thousand dollars. Because I always thought like if I'm gonna prostitute myself, it's gonna be for like a size like something that I, you know I can put down all my credit card wow, debt or something. okay, or, that's exciting. Yeah, so I, I don't know. By the end of the week, I'm going to know if I have officially fulfilled my fantasy of, like, getting paid for sexual activity. Yeah, I had a guy about three years ago who offered to pay me an older man who... I'm 47 now, mm. so he was probably in his... 60s or something like that, who offered to pay me to um to spank him and i was really looking forward to it i thought well that would be fun because i just enjoy spanking in general and you know what the hell and an easy way to make some money oh my god <laughs> you know? yeah 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 i uh, am not ashamed to admit that i pay for it you know that, okay. that you know i'm stuck with a um inconvenient taste uh, but actually very common taste when it yeah, you know the the there is this whole daddy boy phenomena in the gay world and there always has been the uh, you know socrates and plato thing of you know i was attracted to guys my own age my entire life. Like, when I was a toddler, I was attracted to toddlers. When I was a teenager, I was attracted to teenagers. But once I was, like, getting into my late 20s, I was like, oh, now they're all younger. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, now yeah. I'm, I'm still, still attracted to those guys in their early 20s, mostly, you know? So... That's kind of a bummer to learn when you when you start to enter your 30s and 40s because it's like well first of all, you know, there's not as much of a peer uh understanding that you know the w- the way that you communicate with someone who's who's younger is just going to is just going to be different in some way. Oh yeah. Um and but it's also difficult because I think it's funny, like like one of the things here's another way that things are a little different in the gay male realm than they are in like if I was on your show right now and I was a straight guy and I was saying, oh, here's the thing. I'm mostly interested in guys ha- half my age. 
And they tend to be non-white guys. They tend to be Latin or Asian. This is uh, a hypothetical? <laughs> yeah, right, right. It, no, I, th- I, th- like, I, I think that that would be rather controversial. I think that as a gay man, I have a little more leeway to talk about that. But I think that that is becoming more and more controversial to say, I have a type, It hap- the age difference happens to be considerable yeah and there's race involved in it too that really freaks add race to anything people get freaked yeah yeah, yeah. add race in front of the name of a salad i think people would be nervous right because if you say i'm into tall guys or i'm into guys with red hair or whatever like you know there's not that that doesn't have as much to do with family history politics prejudice laws you know (laughs) race gets messy with all that shit yeah yeah. i'm so thankful i don't have things like a type uh-huh. Like that. Oh uh, my god. That is the ultimate blessing. Being a, a straight dude with no specific type and no kinks. Ooh. Like just because and everyone I know is has any of the other things going on for them. So every time I talk, I'm just like, Jesus, this your life sounds exhausting. I'm so sorry. Like, oh my god. No. It sounds more way more difficult to find someone to fuck around with. Oh, it's like a needle in a haystack. I my that's why I pay for it because yeah. my tastes are so specific uh, in guys and in uh, the specific kinks, kinks that yeah. I like that it's just like God damn like like the the you know like just talking to my and Jesse Baring talks about that in the book Perv too mm. he says that it's a lottery you you pull the handle and you get like three you know the three things that come up on the whatever the the what did they call those? Those slot uh, machines, machine, yeah. right, right. And one of them is uh, orientation, preference, and I forget what, and maybe fetishes, you know? Sure. Whatever your lotto thing, it, the more specific it is, the more fucked up you are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, screwed as just, far as, like, possibly finding partners. It makes it difficult. Yeah. Where do you go to shop around for, for your young Asian boys? <laughs> where, where, where's well, that catalog? There is, a, there's a site called Recon, which has been around for longer than uh, any of the other apps. Like, so you talk about Tinder. Tinder came from Grinder, and Grinder came from Recon. Recon okay. is... It's a uh, GPS-based app for kinky guys looking for kinky guys. One of us, one of us, goobble gobble, goobble gobble. Hey, time for the fan whore appreciation moment. Uh, I want to give a shout out to to the patrons who are one of us. Those of you who support me on Patreon, uh, I always like to give you a shout out on every show. So here's a few people who deserve some recognition. Gregory Young. Greg uh, hosts the Bowery Boys podcast, which is a phenomenal show. It's one of the few podcasts I personally listen to. It's a great show if you're into history, the city of New York, or puns. I am not a fan of puns. But thank you, Greg, for your longtime support, man. Uh, Chris with a K, also a longtime patron. Chris with a K from South Dakota always brings it come fantasy football season. I'm looking forward to smacking you down uh, in our third season this year. (laughs) <laughs> for some newer patrons, Claire, hey, girl, I notice you're an avid knitter. Well, you know what? I'm going to knit two, Pearl two together in your honor. Thanks for your support. And finally, Donald W. with a wicked nice pledge up from Massachusetts, man. Thank you for joining the crew. And you too can join our community of fan whores and receive a slew of great rewards on Patreon. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's kind of like a monthly fan club subscription meets Kickstarter. Like you pledge a certain amount of money per month 
And depending on how much money you pledge each month, you get various rewards, with, which range from uh, bonus episodes of the Man Whore Podcast, Man Whore Podcast condoms, and access to the Champagne Room, our super secret Facebook fan page, our super secret Facebook group for patrons only. Join the club by visiting patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Uh, Kevin Allison also has a Patreon for the Risk podcast. This is a great opportunity to support two fantastic independent content creators in one fellow swoop. Head on over to both of our Patreons. Give us a few shekels for putting out amazing free content week in and week out. Now, ba- now back to a couple of sluts. But there are all sorts of uh, little, you know, specific fetish sites now, like Piss Boy for guys Piss who are boy, into, okay. you know, like you, you, whatever you can think of. There's probably a little site for people hooking up around that. Well, kind of yeah, thing. of course, there's that. But like when, for when you're going to go pay for it, like, do you have a specific? Oh place no, like no, 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 no. That's I don't. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, you're saying no, you I've, pay- I've never used like Rent Boy or anything like that before. Um, I just happen to have a particular, you know, a couple of guys that I know that I've already established relationships yeah. with, right? Do you if, meet if, those people like in person? Yeah, or yeah, did yeah, you, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. And the, the, that's just stuff that's been negotiated over time. Sure. But yeah, you, there are still, I think there's something called Rent Men right now. Rent Boy got, right, got the big shutdown. Sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, if you go to a site like that, like those prices can get pretty steep because mm-hmm. those guys, you know, they have other competing people who want to pay, and so they're like, "All right, I'll make my price." Oh, so you just found a good, you found some good deals. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, amongst guys who were already like friends with benefits. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So now risk isn't just you know with celebrities or comedians when there's plenty of like regular people talk to oh absolutely we have everyday people you know we don't use voice altering technology because it's just too fucking weird and these are read in their own voice they're not read they're 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 presented on stage or in person Mm -hmm. so you know for example the woman who uh told the story of finding out that her dad was into cannibalism. She shared that with me just one-on-one with like this, but then we edit me out and add music and sound design. Ah, okay. And then the live shows, that's a different vibe because you're getting up in front of an audience and confessing whatever it is. Now, this the risk stories are not just about sex. I mean, people uh, will come up and talk about anything that, that was especially emotional or personal or private or or just, you know, that they feel like, oh, my God, I'm really going out on a limb sharing this. So some of the stories are hilarious. Some are just gorgeous that'll bring you to tears. And some will fucking freak you out. Yeah, yeah. And you do plenty of your own stories, too. I mean, like, and that's and it's a weird thing to be like a person like us who just put our whole lives out for people. So you're in learn, especially something so intimate like sex and dating. Like, I've, I, does that make your dating life any more difficult? Or you interesting t- grinder dates that start with like, hey, I checked out your podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I think it actually does make it easier. I, I think that that, you know, is a little and I don't shy away from that. Like, for example, on my recon uh, profile or whatever, I will mention that I have taught a class at a kink camp before called Everything You Can Do to an Ass Other Than Fuck It. Ha! And... <laughs> 
I, I, you know, one of the reasons I share that is just to give you a hint of, well, here's something I like. Please tell me you have a webinar too for it. People go to, uh, what you can do with an ass.com and for $39.99, you can learn all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have the, the times that I have done it, I have had a demo bottom. So that's fun you right. know, to be able to show what I'm talking about with a fellow there. Did you have to get used to, I mean, uh, you also like on, in a, in a, you know, on a celebrity level though, before starring Risk, of course. But, you know, at some point, did you have to get used to people knowing your whole sex life? Because before Risk, it's not like you had your sex life available on the Internet for people to download, uh, correct? Yes, that so is did, true. Is that the, a thing to get used to uh, oh, yeah. in dating? Yeah. Well, Risk was very much a, I mean, it's a constant coming out process. In fact, I in the, in the process of doing Risk, it was literally like someone dared me to go to a kink camp in mm. the spirit of Risk because people often will do something that they think is risky to come back and share about and then see you know, if they do want to share about it. So someone dared me to go to a kink camp in 2011, and that, that's where that story, Kevin Goes to Kink Camp, came from. But it kind of opened a Pandora's box. You know, I think sometimes people worry, oh, my God, if I start exploring kink, will I find out that I like some things that I hadn't expected before? And in my case, yeah <laughs> and at a certain point some of it fucked me up a bit at a certain point some of it was like whoa i didn't know i'd ever be into this i mean i'm 40 i was you know in my 40s i'm like why am i discovering new stuff i thought i had all this figured out and so i got a therapist i a a, a, a fella who i got from kink professionals i think uh, kink aware professionals if if you Google that, kink aware professionals, you can find a therapist near you who is BDSM friendly. And that's so it. important yeah. to find those are people who are like therapists who are sex positive. Yeah, they're not going to open a nominal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That can be hard to find. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's encouraged me that, you know, uh, you don't have to tell it all. You don't, you know, there are some stories that, hey, you might wait 10 or 15 years to get around to sharing that one. Like on a recent episode of Risk, I shared about, I think I started to talk about this a moment ago and then got sidetracked, but it was about uh, being ambushed at this gay male kink camp, which means, you know, a bunch of guys not really having official consent tackle you. Uh, they put me in handcuffs. They brought me out to out of the dungeon to this grassy knoll and shoved me down on my knees and had a bunch of men piss in my mouth. Uh, it's a story that I told on an episode called Make Believe, a recent episode of Risk called Make Believe. And it was funny because... I was a little nervous about sharing it because I knew that piss drinking was going to trigger some people's yucky, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some people would be squicked out by it. And it's like, grow up, people. Grow up. but you know, knowing that I've done weirder shit, that uh, the, it was was actually what gave me made me feel the license to be like, yeah, fuck them if they can't handle that. You know, like yeah. there's other stuff. I'm like, well, I don't know if I ever can share the story about that. Right. But at the piss stuff, sure. And we were talking about before we started. And I'm not going to say the thing, but it's like, you know, ha- it, it's like I feel like as p- people in the public eye, we deserve to still have a couple secrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's odd to 
be someone who shares like all of it except like yeah these one or two things yeah and people go like what do you mean you have a secret you share all of it i was like yeah but like we're entitled to have a little bit of that well there's uh, also like being a true storyteller uh i'm very very aware of the other characters that enter into the story so you know I, i will i allow anyone who does risk to go by a fake name to name other characters in their stories fake names, to put it in a different city than you were actually in or even a different decade or whatever, but just to protect people's privacy. But sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's like, well, my husband, there's only one of those. (laughs) Or my mom, uh, you know who that is. So, yeah, so so sometimes you, you think to yourself, well... If this person ever heard it or if it ever came around to them that it was out there, it, it, it would be a disaster. So maybe I should, you know, keep that one to myself. You Is know? there a story you've shared in your professional career that you then later regretted sharing for like privacy reasons of your own or other people's? Well, you know, there's always always the issue of my mom which is ironic because i think that in an archetypical way in a big psychological jungian way that she is the reason that i started a podcast called risk in the first place to at the age of 39 finally say i'm gonna stop worrying about what my mom would think about what i'm doing professionally Mm -hmm. you know saying on stage so um, she can't download podcasts. She has no internet savvy whatsoever. But she has been exposed to, because Risk tours a lot, sure. you know, friends who live in Cleveland or whatever being like, uh, there was an article in the paper that said Kevin has tied things to his balls. <laughs> and- <laughs> yeah, some of that you can't avoid. But like, is there something you maybe like, uh, like a story you told on the show and then you were like, Maybe like whether it was like immediately or maybe years later, you're just like, ooh, maybe like that's one of those secrets I would have rather held on to a little longer. No, I really haven't because I, 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 you know, there, there are certain wordings of things, you know, like risk has has gotten into the territory now where there are very, very, very often big political correctness battles that emerge because of certain stories on risk and I would say it's like every other week we feature a story where people are like, that sounds too rapey to me, or that sounded a bit mean-spirited the way that that person referred to his handicapped sister, or whatever it is, like there's a brouhaha that blows up. It'll be often, you know, a matter of tone or phrasing or just something about the, the, the storyteller's vocal delivery or even the way the audience laughed at something which will really freak people out and people are calling for more more and more for trigger warnings they want me to say hey i gotta hold your hand here before Ugh. we share this story you know you, you might- know what the trigger warning is when you if like if p if hearing someone talk about p is a trigger for you you know when you the, the trigger warning is the first mention of the p yeah. and then you turn it off well, like, what I say is that that actually the the title of the series Risk itself is an overall yeah. trigger warning. You know what I mean? It's like like these people's lives did not come with trigger warnings. They're sharing about experiences that were surprising to them in the moment. That's why it's a story. So the way a story works best if it's 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 presented to you as a surprise when it's happening in the story as well also it's like when you hear the trigger warning like if you're triggered by the word if you know if kurt ends your trigger uh 
whether you hear curtain five minutes into the story at that surprise moment, or when we say trigger warning, we talk about curtains, you're going to be surprised and you're going to hear the thing. So why don't you just like stop listening when you hear the story or hear the thing you don't like. You just get to hit stop. Like you don't. Right. I, I mean, uh, I've tried to find a happy medium with it by simply if something really violent is about mm. to happen on the show and very often something really violent does happen on the show uh i'll let people know hey this one's gonna get pretty intense you know this yeah. one involves someone getting kind of harmed in a way so just buckle your seatbelts. and i don't want to say trigger or anything right. like that but i'll just give people just a conversational sort of like Hey, just letting you know. Here's where here's where we're veering. Here's the yeah. here's here's the the neighborhood we're about to drive into. All right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, dude. One time I I was at burlesque. The first burlesque show I ever attended was in Philadelphia, and it was uh they always were th- made a themed based on a different director's w- w- body of work. Mm. Uh, so maybe there was John Hughes night or whatever. So the one I happened to go to was Stanley Kubrick themed. Oh yeah, which is terrifying when yeah. you add titties to the mix. <laughs> and, and they do Lolita, and they do uh, the some guy did like Boylesque for Full Metal Jacket. But then they the closer was a Clockwork, Clockwork Orange, Orange, and yeah. yes, they do that scene. Yeah, and the the woman, the host. Um, she goes up to pre- present the last number and says, and it's from Clockwork Orange. And, you know, if anyone here has been triggered by, like, anything <laughs> like sexual assault, maybe this is a good time to go get a cigarette. Yeah. But she's doing uh, This is a good time to go do that. But we're in a venue space where it's like it's just one long. It's just like, you know, 12 rows of chairs or whatever. And the door is kind of over here where to leave you got to get up and then walk out through this crowd. So she's just been like, hey, if you've been raped and this is going to trigger you, can you just like stand up and show everybody that you've been sexually assaulted as you right, walk out right, the door? Right, right, it's like, right. not, it's right. like, what do you want them to do? Right, right, right. Well, you know, <laughs> it's like this ter- there's a terrible trigger warning. You do have to be conscious. I mean, like, for example, there have been live, live stories told on risk, in other words, in front of an audience yeah. where someone will tell about a violent rape. And I will, like, sometimes we've even had, like, uh, been able to have someone in the audience that was, like, a professional, you know, and I'll be able to let people know, hey, this story's going to venture into this sort of territory, and there's actually someone at the back who could give you some literature if you want to talk, you know, like, often on risk, I'll say... Oh, hey, and if you want to know, like uh, recently a fella uh, um, shared about an incestuous vibe between him and his mom and that, that how that kind of affected his sex life now. Like he, he still has kind of every now and then erotic momish fantasies. And he, he went into great like detail about that. And it, and it, was, it, was, it was definitely uh, uncomfortable, that mm. story. And then afterwards, I, I let it beforehand. I let everyone know this goes into uncomfortable territory. And then afterwards, I let everyone know there's actually an organization you can go to if you have any feelings about like incestuous sort of experiences you might have had. You know, so yeah, I think that there's a happy medium with all that stuff where you don't have to beat people over the head with it, but you 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 definitely have to be mindful if you're you know. Uh, daring to go into that kind of territory is there a is there a realm that is there you know a topic that you've thought a taboo thing you've thought of for a while 
that just no one's on no one's yet told a story about well it's interesting because like i said we've had a castration story on before we've had a cannibalism big story. check marks yeah yeah, yeah. Right, right right we've never had a necrophilia sort of story before which, which you know i know some people do role play Fingers around that. cross we've never had a scat story on this i mean we have had people who have eaten shit for other reasons, which would take a long time to explain. <laughs> like, <I think laughs> we had shit-eating stories, but it wasn't sexy. It wasn't we want a sexy shit-eating story. <laughs> I know they're out there, and I always tell people, listen, you can share anonymously on the show. We can't make your voice sound different. We're sure. not going to do that, but you can share anonymously, and you can change the names of other characters in your story. So yeah, no, there's, there's a book called Sexual Outsiders, and it's about specific... It's also kind of like that book Taboo about uh, specific you know, uh, BSM sort of encounters that th- this fellow who wrote it is a therapist. And, and so I think it's about a lot of patients he's had. But the, the chapter where there's a chapter on scat uh, and it's a, it's, it's, there's a lengthy personal story in it between two gay men. And it's surprisingly, well, not surprisingly based on what I've dealt with in risk so far, but it's really, really intense and intimate and like very erotic and very uh, I don't know just an amazing and that I would love to find that kind of story for risk so if anybody uh, uh, out there has got a sexy shit eating story right. <laughs> you have a shit eating story we got plenty don't bother but if it's a scat but if there's an erotic one, edge to it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. or uh, or necrophilia apparently right, right yeah I'm trying to think is there anything else I mean we've we, you know, we've never had anyone talk about an age play sort of story where it was conscious age play. I mean, we've had some sure, sure. molestation stories on the show, but like I was saying, like those folks at camp that I saw that one time, like very consciously doing like a Lolita esque sort sure. of role play, that would be kind of fascinating. To I'm hear. surprised that in all these years you haven't, because that's a, I feel like that that fetish, that kinks, that's out there now. There's enough so that they're. If you go to the sexuality section of iTunes, there are multiple big, little, and age play oriented oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. podcasts. We had one, <laughs> we've had a couple that were food that were related mm. to like, you know, feeding someone to the sure. point of getting fat, where uh, for some reason the story itself did not come together in a way that I was really psyched about, you know, beginning, middle, and end. There's a problem with that. Like, like, uh, we've also had one one time, which is, just had an amazing detail in it, but it was about a woman who was a dominatrix who was hired to do a porno, a fella who uh, he was a he was a, 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 a what do you call it conservative Jew a, a Hasidic oh yeah yeah he was Hasidic and he was like okay yeah I want to agree to be in this video that you're doing and I want to be beaten I want to be slapped and and physically beaten by the dominatrix and so the woman was like great 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 we'll film this we've got the great dominatrix to do this for you he was like yeah yeah slap me silly they start filming she slaps him across the face and his eyeball pops shut out. the fuck up <laughs> the dominatrix just, is the one just, telling the story yeah it, it's just hanging by the optical thread what the, f- and, the actual and fuck? then and then he's like oh i should have told you i had surgery yesterday so it uh-huh. really is a bad time to have hit me right there wait he was just casual about it <laughs> what the fuck 
a story that was uh, shared with us once, and we made a recording, uh, but it didn't have a good enough beginning and end, so uh, I really have to get back to her and, ha- and get another recording of that. Oh, man, but how that's, got, that's a rough piece of feedback to, to, to receive. I just gave you the, I smacked the dude <laughs> in a porn thing, his eye pops out, and you're like, eh, you know, it needs some work. Yeah, we, like, need, we need more of a hero's journey what? here. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Kevin. Uh, thank you for coming on, man. Jesus. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so people should obviously go check out Risk. We've been talking about yeah, plenty. Yeah, Risk, you can find it anywhere where podcasts are or at risk-show.com. And on Twitter, I'm also at the Kevin Allison or or Risk itself. Were it's you mad when you show. found uh, at Kevin Allison? Because <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm at the Billy Presida. Yeah, 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 it's rough. <laughs> You're like a son of a bitch squatting on that handle. Well, he's the guy who has to deal with people, you know, sending him kinky crap all the time. On you know, Twitter. maybe he's been getting all these like sexy scat submissions, <laughs> and he's like, "The fuck, holding do I do with on this? to them, yeah. hoarding them, <laughs> hoarding the scat." Um, anywhere else, people should go check you out. Just go riskthatshow.com. Yeah, and then on Twitter at Risk Show or on Facebook at Risk Show as well. Awesome, Kevin. Thanks so much for coming by. Why don't you say goodbye to everyone? Thank you. What a conversation, people. Oh, man, just a couple of slutty fellows. I felt like I had a lot to aspire to after talking with Kevin. Oh, it was fun. Uh, If you check the show notes, you'll see a list of the various books that Kevin uh, referenced during this episode. You know, Perv, Sexual Outsiders, Taboo. You'll see links to those. You'll also see Risk. Links to Kevin Allison in the show notes. Go check out his show, Risk, the storytelling podcast. Shoot us a tweet. Let us know what you thought about the show. He's at the Kevin Allison. I'm at the Billy Persida. Use the hashtag man or podcast to let us know what you thought. Again, I have Instagram. If you're not following me, you're fucking up. Go follow me at the Billy Persida. Uh, you can also interact with your fellow fan whores on the Man Whore Podcast subreddit. There are individual comment threads for every episode. It's the closest thing we have to a message board. For all you Redditors, that's r slash Man Whore Podcast. And uh, again, one last time, I need you all to go fill out this brief survey at manwhorepod.com slash survey. It is immensely helpful for me. Takes no time on your part. And your email just does not go to a bunch of like spammy marketers. It just goes to me. I promise. I'm the only spammy marketer you want in your life anyway, right? Manwhorepod.com slash survey. Help a whore out. Next week, we got Glamazon Tayomi. But until we get to uh, the goddess known as Tayomi, y'all enjoy yourselves. Wish me a happy birthday on June 5th. That's Monday. And stay slutty.